The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is up? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus, your humble host. Glad to have you along. It is a Tuesday, and the Clippers are off before a big game tomorrow against the Toronto Raptors as Kawhi gets his championship ring after leading the Toronto Raptors to the NBA Finals. It'll be interesting to see what type of reception Kawhi Leonard gets. Very curious to see if the fans applaud him as a big thank you for what he did or if they boo him for leaving the Raptors after just a year. Remember, there was the whole ordeal of him leaving San Antonio and then going to Toronto and everyone wondering, well, is he actually going to stay in Toronto? No one really thought he would. And then all of a sudden, he seemed to really enjoy the Raptors and he had a pretty good team there. Siakam's very good. Ibaka good. Lowry good. They had a really nice core there. Van Fleet as well. And then, of course, the summer came. And it was the Lakers, the Raptors, and the Clippers, and he ended up with the Los Angeles Clippers. And here we are with PG and Kawhi as the Clippers sit at 18-7, 25 games in. No Kawhi last game, no problem, as the Clippers manhandled the Indiana Pacers before giving up the lead late, or giving up the big lead late to a smaller lead, and ended up winning 110-99. to This comes after dismantling Washington, 135-119 when it really was a close game for the majority of the contest. For some reason, the Clippers continue to let teams back into the game, and the reserves, which have been pretty good, are struggling. They're giving up leads, which is surprising, and I'm not sure exactly what's going on. But we're going to have Adam Osland on today's show. You can see him at follow Adam A is where you can see his tweets. He's an incredible guy, and he does a really good job as the pre post and halftime guy for the Los Angeles Clippers. He and Noah Eagle form a deadly duo on the radio side. So we'll talk to Adam and see what he thinks about the Clippers 25 games in and see what type of reception he thinks that Kawhi is going to get in Toronto. But before we get to Adam, got to tell you, this podcast, like all our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out their website at hawaiianisles.com, on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, or on Twitter, Hi. Kona Coffee. That's H-I Kona Coffee. And of course, today is Tuesday, which means that you just missed the Bruce letter yesterday. Aaron Bruski, our founder, is writing an email newsletter for the entire season. Every single Monday it comes out. Exclusive content you can't find anywhere else except for in your email. You're not going to see it online. You're not going to see it on social media. You're not going to see it on the HoopBall website. It's only in your inbox. Just go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter and sign up in 10 seconds. That's hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Aaron Bruski, straight to your inbox every single week. Enjoy it. So without further ado, let's go to our guest, Adam Oslin. Happy to welcome back this guy, a really good fella and one of the best Clippers minds that you listen to on the airwaves, AM 570. You can hear him before every game. You can hear him during halftime. You can hear him post-game. He likes to hear your words afterwards. Call him up and rant and discuss how happy you are with the Los Angeles Clippers. It is Adam Oslin on Twitter, at follow Adam A. Adam, what's up, dude? 
good fella. What am I, some clown here to amuse you? <laughs> ah, look at you. Look at you. You guys in your Sorry, way Sorry, I was watching The Irishman the other night. You know, the new Scorsese film, which mm-hmm. actually isn't bad, especially considering Scorsese's like 80 now. I haven't actually watched it. Is that, is that something that I need to watch? I've heard about it. You just have to set aside four hours, which we all have oh during the God. day. I mean, everybody's just waiting <laughs> to, to set aside time to watch The Irishman. There actually is something online. Someone put together, like, how to make The Irishman into a miniseries, where they've chopped it up into, like, 45-minute segments. I forget who tweeted this out, but it was kind of brilliant. That's what Netflix probably should have done. Yeah, I, I've heard it was really long, and I'm like, that's, that's too much time. It's just too much time. I already have shows that are over an hour. It's just, it's too much. You know what it's like, too? It's like uh, Goodfellas on the Hallmark Channel. So there's not as much swearing. There's not as much violence. It's Scorsese in his old age. It's still good. And they use the uh, de-ageifier or whatever they call it, that special effect. So they make Robert De Niro look like he's 50, but he still walks around like he's 70. It's weird, but it's, it's a good movie. I'd recommend it. Yeah, get rid of the swearing and get rid of the violence, and that's, that's not great. No, come on. The swearing's the best part. Let's be real. That, that, that makes the movies. It's the worst when you're on TNT or TBS or something, and you're watching a movie, and they have to clean up all the swearing. It sounds awful. Especially when it's Joe Pesci on the screen. You know what you're going to get with him in a Scorsese movie. Now, in Home Alone, the reason he has to say frick, fricking, fricker is because you know what he wanted to say instead, but that was PG, obviously. Uh, <laughs> still, still a great movie, though. Still, Home Alone still an all-time classic. All right, we digress. It is the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Adam Osland is our guest. So we catch you 25 games in tomorrow night is a contest against the Toronto Raptors. Curious to get your thoughts on what you think the reception is going to be like for Kawhi. Is he going to get booed or is he going to get cheered? I think he'll get cheered and a standing ovation early on, rightfully so. They should just retire his jersey immediately or start building the statue during the game. But I wouldn't be shocked, and I know everyone says how nice Canadians are, But I'm old enough to remember when they cheered when Kevin Durant went down with that injury in the finals. So to me, that took a hit on their and damaged their reputation just a little bit. Now it is Kawhi. He was their finals MVP. He is the reason they have a championship. There's no reason to boo him at all. But I'm just guessing if the game is competitive and it's close or the Clippers are blowing them out and Kawhi Leonard has 35, at some point later in the game, just because this is what happens with fans and they're emotional and they're fanatics and all that, uh, yeah, he might receive some boos later. But early on, it's going to be all love. Yeah, see, here's the thing. I don't think anybody remembered that Kevin Durant went down and got booed right away. Remember how Twitter everyone was going absolutely nuts saying how terrible the people of Toronto are. I had completely forgotten about that. And you're right. You are old enough. And I barely am old enough to remember that. <laughs> and it's funny because everyone looks at Toronto and like, oh, man, these Canadians, man, they really are the sweetest individuals. And you really wonder because if I was a Toronto fan and a guy came to my city, won me a title, I think I would be pretty thankful, even if he left after a year, because frankly, Everyone knew that was going to be the case when when he left San Antonio and he didn't have his choice of where he's going to go to end up. And he ended up in Toronto. Everyone was saying he's one and done. So you had to think that if you're Toronto and you're the fans of Toronto, you have to be okay with him leaving. I'd be surprised if he gets booed. I think he deserves a big ovation. But part of me is a little unsure. 
Yeah, the only reason I say he could get booed is later in the game if he's putting up big numbers and beating on the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. But that's just everyone falling back into their usual roles, fans being upset with superstars and booing them. But you remember uh, in speaking to the point about retiring his jersey and how much he should be celebrated, think, of, think about this. The Miami Heat retired Michael Jordan's jersey. This was like mid-2000s. As Pat Riley is the owner there. Then he stepped back and was the coach, and they won a championship. But just to show respect to Michael Jordan, they retired his number, even though he beat up on the Heat all the time. And this is a much more warranted reason to retire a guy's number, even though he was only there for one season. You win a championship, it's uncharted territory. We've never seen a finals MVP win the championship and then leave and go somewhere else somewhere else the next season. But the only reason is because Kawhi wanted to come back home. I mean, there's no uh, animosity towards him and Toronto. He didn't request to go there. But I think he did enjoy his time. It was just the difference of being back home and being able to finally play back in front of his friends and family. Yeah, that's a good point. He, he really did leave on good terms. And you just look at the parade and how happy he was with all of his teammates. It's not like he wanted to get out of there. I mean, that was just like you said. He had the opportunity to play with Paul George and to come back home, and he got that opportunity. Whereas you look at what happened last night against Indiana – and Paul George's game booed every single time he got the basketball. And a very cryptic thing he said after the game when he said something about how one day he'll tell everybody what happened behind the scenes as to why you really should not be booing Paul George. So it's interesting to see the two different situations because I think that we're, we're going to be right and that he's going to get applauded. But then you have Indiana, and of course they love their hoops being, of course, with Hoosiers and stuff. I mean, you get them booing the hell out of Paul George It's so funny to see two different fan bases like that. Were were you surprised to see PG getting booed like that? No, I don't think he was either, but he thrived, I think, because of it. Early on, I felt like he was running too high emotionally. He started that game 3-for-10. He hit seven of his next 16 shots, and he kind of got more and more comfortable as the game went on. He did give them the shush uh, over his mouth at one point to the crowd, but you mentioned the possible Paul George tell-all story with what happened between him and the Indiana Pacers. I don't know. I don't want to speculate on what the issue was there, but I love seeing him step up in that moment because I think that's a really clutch performance. I thought that was the best performance he had so far in a Clippers jersey because of what was at stake, because he was coming back to Indiana. I know it wasn't the first time, but I did look this up. The first two times he played the Pacers – He put up 10 points and 12 points, and since then it's been like 30 points the last three times, obviously 36 last night. So he's put up 103 points on Indiana the last three times he's gone up against them. So he's uh, risen to the occasion against his former teams now, you could say, because he also had the game-winning three-pointer with the Clippers against the OKC Thunder in just his third game, I think, as a Clipper this season. Yeah, you would think they would stop booing him. Because you would think that maybe they would realize, hey, probably not a great idea since we're amping him up. I I would think that with Kawhi, I don't think he really cares if he gets booed or applauded. I think he's just Kawhi and he'll do what he's going to do. But nonetheless, I think he'll have a little bit extra in the tank 
for the game tomorrow. And I think that's smart that they rested him yesterday. I had a feeling that was going to happen. Get a chance to get those two guys, Kawhi and PG, somewhat on the same page against a bad opponent in Washington. And then give Kawhi an extra breather before he gets his ring against Toronto. Do you see Kawhi getting emotional at all, getting that ring, or is it just status quo? The last time I remember Kawhi getting emotional, and you could say with the champagne in the locker room after they won the championship last season, but remember in 2013 in the NBA Finals against the San Antonio Spurs? That was the first time I saw Kawhi ever sweat. I think it was also the last time, but he was at the free throw line. It was in game six. He had a chance to put them up four, I believe it was. It was one of his only, I guess, non-clutch moments since then he's been unbelievable but he missed a big free throw late and you could see it in his eyes I think he was only like 21 at the time but the moment got the best of him and he seemed human for a second since then Kawhi is the terminator he's the robot he's the assassin out there he's averaging almost 10 points per game in the fourth quarter I don't think he'll get I mean he'll he'll acknowledge the crowd when they give him that standing ovation, of course, and we'll see him smile. Maybe he'll get on the mic a little, hey, 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 something like that. <laughs> That'd be interesting. But I, I think it'll be a good overall moment for he and Toronto just to uh, reconnect. And even in the preseason when they were in Vancouver, it was a huge deal just to have Kawhi Leonard back in Canada. I, I, I do think they adore him, as they should. I just think at some point the emotions may get the best of Toronto Raptors fans if it's a close game or if he's just putting up 40 points on them. Let's look at the first 25 games because now we have a bigger sample size with Kawhi and PG together. You have seen this team, obviously, together for a while, are you surprised with where they're at right now? Happy with where they're at right now? Or what is your first reaction when you see they're 18 and 7, second place right now in the Western Conference? I think they're right on pace to being the best team in the NBA. And I know a lot of people right now believe that's the Los Angeles Lakers because of their record. And the one thing I would say to that is, and every once in a while I get a call from a Laker fan who calls in to heckle the Clippers. It doesn't happen often on Clippers talk, but you can tell there's something different going on this season where the Lakers and their fans, they know the Clippers are a real threat finally to win and not just beat them, but win the NBA championship. And if the roles were uh, reversed, and let's say the Clippers were 21-3 and and the Lakers were 18-7, and but they had beaten the Clippers – All you would hear from Lakers fans is, who cares what your record is? You can't beat us. And so if you want to go into that rivalry, and it is a rivalry, that would be the line I would use as Clippers fans right now, as Lakers fans are puffing their chest out and saying we have the best record in the Western Conference and we look like the best team or we're playing better early on than the Clippers are. And then you've got to go to the fact that Kawhi Leonard has missed, what, seven games? Paul George has missed 11 games. To be 18-7, and seven, and don't forget Landry Shamit's been out for 15 It speaks to Doc Rivers, I think, and just what a masterful coaching job that he's been doing the last couple seasons. Because even though he's got superstars now again with Kawhi and PG, the last two years he didn't, and he was getting great minutes out of C.J. Williams and Jawan Evans at times and guys like that who came out of nowhere or from the G League. 
and help the Clippers win games. And now you see Derek Walton Jr. playing out of necessity the last couple games because of the injuries going on and because of the back-to-back, and he plays well. Doc Rivers is amazing. He just puts guys in a position to succeed. It's the offense. It's the coaching staff. It's the front office. And I think 18-7 and is, if you're a Clipper fan, that has to be very encouraging right now at this point at, what, December 10th this season. And we knew this would be one of the tougher coaching jobs for Doc Rivers, not because of the lack of talent, but because he has so many different pieces and to try and figure out how they fit together. And with Kawhi and PG, was he going to play them the two and the three, the four and the five? How much was he going to play Trez? How much is he going to play Zoo? Is he going to play Lou Williams, Trez, PG, and Kawhi together? If so, for how long? And then he continues to get the most out of these guys that are role players, and he just does a tremendous job. And you bring up a good point with all these injuries. So is it fair to say that we can't really judge this Clippers team yet because of no Shamit, because Magruder's now hurt, because Jermichael Green is now hurt. It seems like every single time you get one guy back, another goes on the sidelines. So maybe we can't even judge this team yet. Well, what you can't do is say they're a finished product or they're anywhere close to their ceiling. You can be encouraged because of how well they played this season even in despite all the injuries and with having two new players that didn't play in training camp much, and not just new players, superstars, guys that have to figure it out on the court. And Paul George has said it. This has almost been like their preseason. And when you can win while still growing and meshing and developing chemistry, but the bottom line is you're still getting W's, that's when you know you have elite talent on your team. And there, are, there has already been a culture set in from the last couple seasons, especially last season because Patrick Beverly is there. And this team and the toughness and the superstars they brought in that match that culture. So there is some foundation. It's not a team that's completely just thrown together. The coaching staff has been there. The front office stayed together when guys could have left. But there's still going to be some disruption just by integrating superstars of the caliber of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And I just think this team has the highest ceiling and hasn't even scratched the surface of their potential of any team in the NBA. I was listening to you in the pregame show. I think it was against Washington. And you were talking about how Doc Rivers was discussing the offense. And it doesn't matter how many points you put up. He thinks the offense is still, I believe you said, a work in progress. Because you know the defense is going to be there. I think the defense will be there no matter what, as long as you have Beverly, as long as you have PG and Kawhi. You'll be able to defend. But the offense, it seems like, is still a work in progress. Because Kawhi Leonard, it seems, is really alternating between good and bad games. He'll shoot about 30, 35% one game, and then he'll come back the next game and shoot around 50, and he'll score 30 points. And then with PG, he's still trying to find his footing. He was great last night without Kawhi, but those two, it seems like they're still trying to figure out each other and how to work together as a team. And then you bring in Lou and Trez. They're tremendous together, obviously, with the pick and roll, and they have elite chemistry, but you're trying to work in these other pieces. How much growth do you think this offense still has considering that you have all these pieces in place, but they haven't had that much time together. I think Doc Rivers said it best, and Lou Williams echoed his statements of saying, even though they put up 150 against Washington, the offense and against Atlanta has been fool's gold overall. They're getting by on overwhelming talent, but they're not necessarily playing together or consistently together on the court this early in the season. And that's to be expected. 
there's too many different moving parts, plus the two superstars you're trying to help not just work together, but work next to Montrez and Sweet Lou Williams. Those guys are averaging 40 points off the bench. This is the best bench in NBA history. It was last season. They're even better now. They have the best bench combo ever, and that's the new death lineup. Those four, Lou, Trez, uh, Kawhi, and PG, plus whoever, that fifth guy can vary depending on the matchup. But I know Doc Rivers is... I mean, he's been an offensive genius. This is the only team since 2013, the only franchise that has been top 10 offensively. That includes the Golden State Warriors. The Clippers are the only team to do that with all these different types of players. And they've had kind of an amoeba offense, but it's about ball movement. And I've seen so many times Paul George is looking for somebody in the corner. And then Patrick Beverly moves out of it, and it turns into a pass into the stands and just miscues and guys not knowing each other's tendencies. And that's why they've had a lot of turnovers at times. They had 21 uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks. And that was the game where Doc Rivers came out and said, I told you, this offense is not ready yet. You can beat up on Washington. You can beat up on lesser teams just having talent and just being stacked with the amount of talent they have. But against teams that you really have to execute against, elite defensive teams that can also beat you offensively, that's where you find out who you are. And so, in some ways, it was a good measuring stick type of moment, even though you could say they failed that test early on this season. But I think that's going to fuel them, and that lets them know that we're not, we're not ready yet. We're not there yet. We will be, but it's going to take time. It's early to ask you this question, but you've seen PG, you've seen Kawhi. When we get to the playoffs, who do you want taking that last shot? I mean, it has to be Kawhi Leonard right now. He's the reigning finals MVP, and it's not just that. He's been doing it for longer, I think, at a higher level in big moments. Don't get me wrong, Paul George over the last season now, when he had that game winner against the OKC Thunder, the stat came out that in the last minute of games, he has four three-pointers that were go-ahead shots and nobody else has more than two over the past season and a half now, if you're counting now we're 25 games in, season and a quarter now in the league. So he's gotten much better. I remember the jokes after the Gatorade commercial came out, and people said, oh, that's not real life. Paul George hasn't made shots late in games. Well, he has now, and he's been great the past couple seasons. And that's especially not easy to do playing off of Russell Westbrook, who I do think is extremely erratic late in games, and he had to do it next to Rust. And this is part of the reason he was third in MVP voting and third in terms of defensive year, uh, player of the year voting. He's just that good on both ends, but I think people were waiting to see how he would be in big moments. And it's not like he's been terrible or anything close to that. That dunk on Birdman and the way the Pacers took the Miami Heat to seven games back in 2013, that was Paul George. That was like his coming out party for those who didn't know. But he's had plenty of big moments, but it's still about Kawhi Leonard late in games. It has to be. And I think you saw that when he took the big shot against Houston. And then the big shot, he made that one. And then it was, I believe, against Boston, the long three-pointer that he took. He missed it. It goes into overtime. They win anyways. But I think that is the pecking order. 
But you can't go wrong. And I still think this is a team that isn't going to rely on hero ball. Even the shot that Paul George made, the three-pointer against OKC, he's coming off a screen. It wasn't just him dribbling out the clock and then heaving it up. They're going to run plays offensively. So it could be Lou Williams. It could be a pass down low to Montrez Harrell, who has evolved with his game. So I'm not concerned about this team late in games, and I think they're going to have the toughest lineup to guard in the NBA late in games. You bring up Trez. Uh, I want to discuss his play because he's just been out of this world incredible. Everyone thought that maybe he would take a step down once Kawhi and PG came into town because his usage would go down, but he has been incredible. And say what you want, obviously, about the number of minutes that Zoo is playing, and sometimes he doesn't play enough because Zoo is such a good defender, and he actually does help out the offense as well, cleaning up the offensive glass. And because Zoo doesn't really play with Trez, it's been hurting Zoo's minutes with Trez being as good as he has. But that being said, he is now on his way to getting a lot of money in free agency. And you wonder, can this guy be paid like a part of a big three? And you've seen him now for several years. Do you think you can? Because that's a lot of money that you'd be giving a guy in Montrez Harrell. I think he's going to be worth the money. Uh, and I do think, you know, it's Steve Ballmer, the richest owner in North American sports. <laughs> if they want to pay him, they'll take care of him. And right now, Obviously, he looks like a guy you have to keep around. I don't know. I haven't heard anything. It's just speculation and just based off of his play. Of course, the Clippers want to keep Montrez Harrell here for a very long time. He's just 25, and you bring that up about playing next to superstars and having to defer more, and it hasn't stunted his growth at all. And in some ways, the load management, and it's a legitimate knee injury with Kawhi Leonard, but him missing games, Paul George missing games to start off the season, it probably helped out Montrez Harrell because he got to show off all his expanded game that he's been working on this past summer. And it's not necessarily the outside shooting. I think he's only made one jumper so far, and that happened yesterday. It looked good. But it's just being able to take the ball up the floor now. He can, I don't want to say run the point. I don't want to say he's that point forward or anything yet. But we've seen this almost every game the past couple weeks where he'll take it up the court and either go into attack mode or make the right pass. And now he's taking guys off the dribble. He keeps throwing it down after a baseline crossover on players. He got some bonus with it yesterday. So... Montrez is turning into a different player seemingly every game. I keep saying this post-game, but like once a week, he has a game where you go, well, that's the best game of his career so far. And he's just getting started and getting better. But I'm impressed, even though I thought he would get better, I didn't know he'd be able to isolate the way he's shown that, that, part, that side of his game off this early in the season. He, he's really been impressive. And, yeah, he's going to get paid by somebody, and we all hope, of course, it is your Los Angeles Clippers. His game has really evolved. You're right. I mean, you can put it to him in the block, and he can spin around somebody. He's shown off now a hook shot of late that he's been going to. And, like you said, that baseline, when he was backing down, went baseline, just dunked. I mean, the guy clearly has control of the basketball. It's not quite the handles of a point guard. But he has confidence dribbling so he can face up on somebody and use his moves, which is tremendous. And it gives the Clippers another offensive weapon when you think, okay, fine, we'll we'll do whatever we can to stop Kawhi and PG 
and then they'll probably be useless. That's not the case because you have Lou Williams, who was ice cold yesterday, but for him to be as bad as he was and for the Clippers to win by double figures shows you how deep this team is. And with Trez, I mean, you get him the ball and he's going to score. And the one thing I do wonder about Adam, and I don't know if it's a legitimate gripe, I wonder if these guys' minutes are going to catch up to them at the end of the season because it does seem like Trez and Lou are playing a lot of minutes, especially when Kawhi or PG sitting out. Here's I was looking into this as well, and minutes are an issue across the NBA and people talking about is the season too long. I'm a little concerned with Lou, but – I think it's going to work out because by the time the second half of the season rolls around, they'll be able to rest him more. We saw a lot of that last season where he was primed for that playoff series in a way he wouldn't have been two years ago when they won 42 games because he was their number one option by far, and he still was for a lot of last season, especially late in games, and Lou was obviously 32 years of age. I think yesterday it was just an anomaly, just an off night shooting-wise. Uh But Montrez, coming into yesterday's game, he had gone eight straight games without playing 30 minutes or more, or at least 30-plus minutes. So even he, at 25, I think they've been okay. And I I do think we're going to see more from Avisa Zubac. You brought that up earlier. He and Montrez not playing on the court together. But it happened for the first time this season, yesterday in the second quarter, and they were actually really successful. And Avisa Zubas hasn't played more than, I think, 24 minutes in a game so far this season. So they have the fresh bodies to adjust, but I think as they're still trying to gel and work out rotations and make sure there's enough time on the court between Trez, Lou, Kawhi, and PG, and they have run that death lineup now early in games the past couple times all four have played. But I think... By the end of the season, there's going to be some well-rested, fresh-legged Clippers, and Lou Williams will be the only one I'm concerned about. But they have enough guys with the depth on this team to make sure he has ample rest. You've seen enough from this team now, 25 games. Is there a position you'd like to see upgraded or added at the deadline or when guys start to get waived? The only thing, the only concern I'd have, and I talked about this before the season, only because there were reports that they were going to work out Noah, Mm -hmm. Joachim Noah, and I thought, okay, that makes sense. They don't necessarily have another big body, a guy who's close to at least being a seven-footer outside of Avita Zubac, and you have a couple teams in the Milwaukee Bucks and Los Angeles Lakers that like to play big. But... It's not as concerning, especially after game one against the Lakers. I know it was just the first game of the season, but the Clippers are going to end up going small at the end of games and imposing their will, and they're going to make you adjust to them. So if they did have a need, I would think maybe just throughout the 82-game season, just to have some guy that can maybe give them five to ten minutes that can give you six hard fouls. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, maybe Fiondo Cabangeli develops fast enough where by the end of the regular season, he can contribute and be that player for them. Uh, That was really the only area of possible need. And I'm not even sure it is one because they're going to be at their best when they play small and not tiny, not necessarily like Doc Rivers said when they went tiny yesterday, which was insane. They went from their smallest lineup ever, and it worked with Derek Walton Jr. out there and Lou Williams and Jerome Robinson and Montrez Harrell and Patrick Beverly. 
And then they went to their biggest lineup of the season <laughs> where they had Montrez and uh, Avisa Zubats out there because Doc Rivers is a mad scientist and just finds ways. But I, I, I guess it's a big man. But this team is loaded. They have everything you need. Now we're just kind of nitpicking and trying to find maybe small flaws or little ways they can improve, you know? The way Kavangeli just flew, just flew off your tongue. It's, it's expertise right there from you, Adam Oslin. The rest of the road trip at Toronto, at Minnesota, at Chicago, expecting to see uh, Kawhi sit one of those games against either Minnesota or Chicago. Normally, I think he plays in the first one and sits the second, so I'd be surprised if he doesn't sit in that game against Chicago. What are you looking at the rest of the road trip with games against Toronto, Minnesota, and Chicago? Because those final two should be games you win pretty easily, although Carl Anthony Towns will be pretty difficult in that game on Friday. I'm just looking for consistency and flow offensively. It seems like they go into these lulls at times where the offense gets stagnant, the ball sticks on one side of the court, and it makes sense because they haven't practiced much together. And that is a not an excuse, that's a reason. That's why these things have happened early in the season. But then they go, all of a sudden, they click in offensively, and they look like world beaters. And that's what we hope to see come playoff time. But I just want to see them mesh a little bit more offensively. But it's just time on the court. The only thing, and I've said this before, the Clippers need is not a player. It's just time. Mm -hmm. They just have to get practices in and work out through Doc Rivers' system and make sure they're actually running plays out there at times. And Doc Rivers has said, I haven't called this many plays for a team in probably a decade Hmm. because they don't have enough guys that are familiar enough with uh, his schemes and his playbook and being able to do it organically on the court without thinking. And that's what you want, guys to play instinctually. So their athleticism and their speed and their quickness and the length on this team just takes over and everything else is just secondary or it's just uh, kind of assumed where you know where your, your teammate is going to be at all times. Yeah, it's a good point about the uh, calling of plays thing because eventually they'll get to the point where they know what they're going to run and they know where each other is going to be. I think the number of turnovers that Kawhi has had recently is something that's definitely um, a lot to do with not playing with these guys very long. And eventually there are some bad turnovers. I think that they'll go away and the Clippers will be just fine. Adam Osland, your champ. We appreciate you coming on. It's at follow Adam A on Twitter. What else you got to promote before we let you go? Uh, FNA podcast. You'll also see that on my Twitter account. And everybody, just check out the pregame show like Brandon has. Tomorrow, starting at 3, Clippers in Toronto. Kawhi Leonard returns. We already had the return for Paul George. We have another reunion coming up, so a huge game. And check out your new radio voice of the Clippers, my guy Noah Eagle. He's been killing it all season long. He's fantastic, and we'll have him on the podcast once the Clippers return home and he's no longer in hotel rooms every single night. Adam, this has been great. Appreciate the time. Brandon, anytime. A big thank you once again to Adam Oslin for hopping on. Hope you enjoyed that insight into the team. Some good discussions about the offense, Kawhi Leonard, his return to Toronto. It should be an exciting one. I'll be watching. I hope you will as well. It's a 4 o'clock tip here on the West Coast on ESPN. Then Friday at Minnesota will be on ESPN again. That game at 6.30 Pacific time. And then Saturday to round out the road trip will be at Chicago. And that'll be at 5 o'clock Pacific time. As of now, 
aiming to do a podcast on Sunday. I'm heading the road again on Saturday, so we will be remote from some hotel room somewhere in the Northwest. A big thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast. If you don't have anything to do for, like, you know, 30 seconds maybe, go to iTunes, find the Hoopball Clippers podcast, give us a five-star rating and leave a review as well. Say how much you love the podcast. It would mean a lot to me. You can follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. You can follow the Twitter handle of the podcast at HoopBallClips. I am Brandon Marcus saying so long. We'll talk to you next time. Go Clippers! This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.